Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 144 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being here this week and thanks for tuning in to the show. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your support, the best way to do that is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Your ratings and reviews help the podcast get seen easier and hopefully will help get more people off the sofas and onto the saddles. And at the end of the day, that's what the podcast is here to do. I'd prefer to grow the podcast kind of organically and not make you guys listen to adverts and stuff that you don't want to hear. So your five-star ratings help massively get the show seen, get it out there and be seen by more people. So thanks for that. I do appreciate your help and support in growing the podcast and we are going to plan and grow over the next six months a lot more. So we need your help in doing that. So if you would please go to your podcast app and leave a review and a rating there and subscribe to the show, that would help immensely. So thanks for doing that and thanks for your support. So let's get into today's episode and today's another good one for you guys. I'm really excited about this one because we've heard a lot in the media and a lot in the mountain bike industry about the whole gravel thing. It's getting very popular. It's almost kind of taken over from the e-bike popularity kind of thing and is certainly up there with the amount of coverage it's getting in the media. So what is this gravel thing? What's it all about? What's the difference between a road bike, a gravel bike an endurance bike, a cyclocross bike. It's all getting very confusing. But the best way to do that is to get Alistair Beckett on the show. Now, Alistair and his wife, Julie Beckett, are the founders of Fussel. It's a new and exciting gravel bike hand-built in Northern Ireland. And I'm so stoked to get them on the show and chat about it. The bike looks amazing. It looks so cool. And if you've been following the podcast, you'll know of Alistair. You know, Alistair was one of the main guys behind the growth of Nukeproof. Uh, He was the former brand manager for Nukeproof. He was also one of the main guys behind the Forbidden bike brand. And he also designed the Privateer bike, etc. So he's well, well into the industry. But... He decided just through personal circumstances, one thing or another, to do his own brand. And it didn't start out to be a gravel bike, but it ended up being a gravel bike with one thing or another. Circumstances changed, ideas changed, and the gravel bike came to life. And I'm glad he did, because the bike looks amazing. So we chat to him, we get him on the show, we chat to him about the gravel scene, about why he decided to do his own thing, and about the other brands he's been working with there, and and where he's standing with those. We also chat about his own company, Redburn Design, where he helps brands design, get to market, all this kind of stuff. So Alistair's such a cool guy, and it's the first time Julie's been on the show, his wife, Uh, so we chat to both of them. It was a real good chat, I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, let's get them on the podcast, let's hear what this gravel thing is all about, and uh, we may be updating our garage full of bikes again with yet another one. And uh, Fossil would be the way to go, I would have to say. So let's get Alistair and Julie on the MTB Tribe podcast and uh, get a good chat about this gravel thing. Hi, Alistair and Julie. Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things in sunny Northern Ireland? 
Hi, Gareth. Um, sunny, they are sunny, ironically. It's not very often we can say that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> everything's good. The weather's fantastic, luckily, and uh, we're doing all right. We're currently sitting in our front room trying to get our six-month-old to, to go to sleep, which, as any parent knows, is... It's not been successful, so I may have to disappear throughout <laughs> this recording, but... Well, that's all right. It's nice to have you, Julie, because we'll get your perspective on things as well. So it's always nice to have the husband and wife pairing, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, we love it. <laughs> good stuff well Alistair for people that don't know you uh, you've been on the podcast a couple of times we obviously chatted about the growth of Nuke Proof and stuff with yourself because you were the former brand manager there Yeah. Um, and then you started your own company called Redburn Design which you still have and run and everything else and you've done a few yep. really nice projects through that um, you came back on the podcast episode 90, let me see, 92 yeah. to chat about the Forbidden Bike brand and stuff. Uh, so it's been going well, man. Things things have been really good for you. Now, we're going to chat about your new venture called Fussel. I'm really keen to get into this with you as well. But how's the Forbidden and Privateer as well you worked with? How's that all going for you? You still with those guys? What's What's going on there? Yeah, so um, the the forbidden thing, uh, I'm no longer with those guys. That uh, was a two year project. So that, like I say, that kind of kicked off around the same time that I left um, my previous role at Nukeproof, um, and at the same time as starting Redburn Design. That's when I when I started working on the on the forbidden project with with Owen, who was the designer on that. Um, so just at the coming up to the end of last year, coming up to Christmas time, um, I made a decision to step away from that project uh those guys as far as i'm aware are still doing really well they're they're thriving we'd worked hard in a lot of a lot of the i guess new projects that some of which they've they've already released and um they i guess they're still working on some other some other bits and pieces um, mm-hmm. so that freed up a bit of time which was fairly essential things were all starting to to get a bit too busy um, and a bit too hard to juggle um uh, all of the projects that i had on so um stepped away from that leading up to Christmas time. Um, the privateer is going really well. I've been working with those guys for it must be 18 months or maybe a bit longer. Um, they've now released actually their first their first model and they, they've, they've been selling away. They've got customers riding around on the, the, the 161, it's called. So it's their kind of quite progressive long travel enduro 29er frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they've sold a couple of production batches of that already, um, and are still they they seem really pleased with it, and there's been some really really good reviews on that bike. Um, that was one I helped them from start to finish, you know, with the design, the, the geometry, and and finding manufacturers um, to get that. I guess that frame started, and and I I think they're actually starting to build complete bikes now as well. So I think those are on sale. Um, uh, currently um in fact actually the uh i think they sold through the first couple of frame batches really really quickly um and, and caught themselves by surprise just how well they how well they sold so it's really positive uh, and i have a few other projects in the pipeline as well that i'm still working on under the redburn design um business flag essentially um some of those haven't quite made the the light of day yet so i can't really say too much about them but when they do come out you know i'm really excited about uh, about what we're what we're working on for those so uh, mm-hmm. it'll be good to see it's always nice to you've got to put a lot of graft in at the start to to get the the designs done and get things to a certain point before you can i guess release to the public and um, so i'm excited to see when those when those projects do go live mm-hmm, for sure yeah and that privateer that 161 that's like a 170 travel isn't it 
It's got a it's 161 millimeters rear travel and it's paired with a 170 mil fork. Yeah, so they they wanted. I mean, the, the, the company that um, that that run the project or own the brand, they they also have other brands that make mountain you know wheels for road and mountain bike called Hunt. Um, and they also have a couple of others. So it's quite a they're quite a progressive business and they have a really um, interesting way of looking at you know, how to serve the customer or what projects to do in what products to design. Um, so that that bike is quite, you know, I guess different from the mainstream in a lot of ways, um, but but really interesting. And, uh, you know, funny, I got my production frame here a couple of weeks ago and I've been out for a couple of, a couple of rides on it and it really is, you know, it is different to anything I've ridden in the past uh, in, a, in a good way. I still mm-hmm. Mountain to our local trails and was riding stuff I haven't ridden in about three years. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> does it pedal well? It does. Yeah, it really does. I mean, you got to remember it is still a big long travel bike, um, mm-hmm. so um, it's not going to pedal like a like a hardtail or a trail bike would. But um, yeah, there's quite a lot of anti squat built into the frame, so it does pedal. It does pedal quite well, and I think one of the design brief points that the that the the client wanted was you know they wanted something that you could pedal to the top of Alpe d'Huez if you if, if if you so wanted you know and then could could rally down so you know pedaling was was important but yeah it does it really does pedal quite well all things considered were you involved with the name of the brand no they uh they they did that all by themselves and i think they actually because there's an old there's an old magazine called privateer and they so they ended up <laughs> reaching out to those guys and almost i think asking permission if they could use the name and having a discussion and the magazine were like yeah you know tear on so no no i i try and keep my nose out of that sort of stuff it's not my place to to, to steer it too much uh, yeah. it is very easy you know they they, they were great to work with because they really bring you into the whole company and you start to you know feel like a part of their team you know but i gotta i've got to remember that it's my job to to help them with the design and the manufacture and you know try not to get too involved in in the naming or the ranging of that sort of stuff obviously i've got opinions but you know it's not i think if i tried to steer too much or contribute too much um it would just maybe there's a risk it would turn into my project and then i'd you know i'd be designing the same project for every client and that's not that's not what i want to do so no they 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 had a very fixed brief on what they wanted and they came up with the name and the styling and the you know the the uh they were very involved in the whole process the development too so it's been a really good sort of two-way relationship so far and and long may it continue you know they've we've they've got a lot of they've got a wish list of bikes that they want me to help them with and uh so there's no there's no uh i guess finish line on the horizon just yet which is which is great awesome i i think privateer is a brilliant name for a bike i really do because it's appealing to the privateers that race you know i I think it's, it's so smart it's it's i think it's good and you know i i think it'll polarize some people it, it's the timing of it all you know the, it's, it's a word that's used quite a lot at the minute and was so even six months ago or a year ago when when the project really first you know was released um i think didn't pink bike have a series you know a video series called the privateer and it was used quite a lot but nobody had used it as a for a bike brand at that point and you know in ways it reminds me of what new proof was really 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 early on where it was trying to make a bike or a frame for people that wanted to go and race you know exactly you know the epitome of, of what a privateer was so i see certain elements of it that i saw when i first um started working at new proof too so to me it feels quite um i guess fitting to to what the the ethos of their company is you know and what they want the brand to be 
Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Now, do you help those brands with distribution and stuff like that as well, Alistair? No, not currently, no. Um, right. No, they kind of, like I'd say, I try and do the things I'm good at. <laughs> let, them, <laughs> let them do the things that they're good at. And, you know, those guys, they already run a really successful business and they sell and distribute and manufacture other products, you know, all around the world. So they, you know, they they know a lot more about that than I do. Um, so, again, I try and, I guess, play to my strengths um, on the design side and the, you know, the supply chain side. But, um, no, I'll leave, leave that up to the professionals, Gareth. Yeah, yeah, good. All right, let's get into Fossil then, um, and let's chat a little bit about this. Now, Julie, Alistair told me that you had a big hand to play in this brand from the beginning. So tell us the story behind it. Why did you just go down this this route? Well, I guess probably over the last two to three years, possibly more, we've sat many of the nights discussing plans and what we would want to do and if we wanted to design a bike obviously Ali he's the brains behind the whole design and the project basically you know I'm just the the sounding board every evening and you know we have lots of chats over breakfast lunch dinner you know you, na- you name it but we, we're so into it and we love it and um, we both come from mountain bike backgrounds obviously Ali you know has been involved in bikes a lot longer than I have um, once kids arrived we suddenly realized very quickly that we didn't have time to jump in the car and drive two hours to, you know, our our usual favorite spots to ride our mountain bike for half a day with our friends and total home. You were kind of trying to cram your days biking into a short window and plodding the mountain bike, you know, around the, the roads or the cycle path to get to a bit of forest trail wasn't quite cutting it. And then Ali, you know, he got frustrated with the product that was out there. Um, so obviously being him decided to go and make his own bike basically <laughs> which is yeah. where the gravel bike came into play where we could just jump on from our house um head bit of road bit of tarmac bit of gravel ride a few of the local trails um it was kind of give you that it kind of the best way to describe it is you're kind of riding your bike somewhere where you think you shouldn't be and it feels amazing first time mm. i gravel bike on a bit of uh it was a bit of coast path it was potholes and rough and it was a rugged and I was flying along on the tarmac and the next minute the, the terrain changed and I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. This shouldn't be here. But actually, when I got used to it, it was the most fun I'd had in a very long time on the bike. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much where, where it came from, really. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, And you've been kind of thinking of this for two or three years, did you say, Julie? Probably more. And there's been prob- probably several bottles of red wine drink in the evenings discussing it and coming mm. up with all these ideas. And, and you know, the, the model has changed um, several times to get to where it is now. You know, it was just getting that right thing and that this this was it. And we just got mm. so excited about it. Depending on the strength of the wine that night. <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> Things probably should have happened a lot quicker, to be honest, Gareth. But we like <laughs> to take time to really work it all out. We kind of have a, you know, a... We have heated discussions quite often now. Is it easier, you know, Emily arrived in the in the midst of the projects because Fussell was the baby. And then we were so lucky when we found out we were expecting Emily. So um, the timing of her was just absolutely incredible, really. Mm-hmm. But thanks. Yeah. luckily we dragged her heels slightly and it took a little bit longer. So we managed to yeah. get her here safely first, although she was still 13 days late. She arrived actually <laughs> one day after my 40th birthday. So I spent my 40th birthday in the... Maternity ward, which was fantastic. I agree. <laughs> yeah, so we got her settled, and then um, mm. it was time to get back to the other baby, which yeah. is now here. And I mm-hmm. guess 
I guess, Gareth, fam- you know, the family life was the big catalyst for this whole thing. You know, whenever when I was a young, single, slim boy, as <laughs> Julie likes to refer to me, as, you know, still slim. I, I was I, all I could think about was riding my bike and I would ride BMX, mountain bike, whatever, road bikes. I didn't care. And, you know, and, and at that point I was, you know, I was new to the job at, at Nukeproof. So I was more than happy to go and travel. And, and you know, if there was a trip going, I'd, I'd take it. But I suppose, you know, where Fossil has come from is our life has changed. We've, you know, grown older and bigger and wiser. And, and I suppose our time, like Julie touched on, whenever the kids were born, or all of a sudden we had such little spare time or free time, but you know, for for our sanity and our mental health, we knew that we needed to keep cycling, and that was the that was our release. You know, well, it's different for everybody. Some people go to the gym and get the release that way, and others go for a drive or whatever it might be. But for us, it was always it's always been cycling, and and you know, Julie's very modest. She's done a lot of cycling in the past, and you know, especially out in Europe doing big epic multi-day events and that sort of stuff. You know, her and her her and her group of of mates. You know, they really. Mm-hmm kind of when they found cycling it was like you know a whole new world opened up to them um but whenever we you know when the kids were born and, and our time was tight there really wasn't the scope to go and you know drive to Tullymore or us Trevor every weekend and, and and ride your bike all day you know some of my mates hats off to them still managed to do that with and they've got kids and I, I don't know how they do it and where they get the time from but um, you know, maybe that's the problem when you marry a, a, a cyclist, you know, they, maybe, they're, maybe their partners are more than happy to, to not worry about going to the, the mountains, but um, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. But th- I guess that's when I started to think, well, what can I, you know, how can I still get out and cycle without this one hour drive there and one hour drive back and all the cleanup and, you know, that, that mm-hmm. kind of that's I suppose the the question that I was asking and, and the catalyst to what led us to to start fossil and you know this 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 started I guess three four years ago whenever whenever yeah. Josh was born so and and you can still see I guess the the breadcrumb trail whenever you know I was working at Nukeproof at the time and and you know they didn't have gravel bikes gravel biking wasn't a thing and and you know I remember borrowing a, a cyclocross bike from the office at one point to 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 test out you know, and, and I got, you know, I got a bit of a buzz from that and not riding cyclocross, of course, but, you know, just riding the coast path and riding the local trails. And, and I guess that made me think, you know, do you know what, there's more to life than just driving to go mountain biking all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that's where it started from. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, um, set the gravel thing aside for a wee minute, but you've got the Redburn thing, which you're doing very well with. You're very busy. Yeah. You've got two kids now. You knew the second one was coming, but yet, but yet you're planning your own thing. This is this is the, your third baby, basically. You're the sole owner of this one. So, yeah. you know, normal people that maybe haven't got the entrepreneur spirit or something like yourself, normal people would say, okay, well, I'll slow down a wee bit. I'm going to have two kids now. I'll slow down. I'll put this fossil thing in the back burner. But you went ahead with it. Like, what made you want to do that? <laughs> why not no one's asked me that yet <laughs> i don't know the answer um <laughs> i think it was the timing though as well in the industry you know you could see there was a gap there and it was like yeah this is the time now to do this yeah there was a, there was opportunity and i didn't want to miss out on that and you know a big part of it for us and for me was i've always worked on other people's brands you know i've always helped design a project or you know manage a brand or you know help somebody establish a business i've never we've never done it for ourselves and and it's probably a selfish thing maybe it's ego or you know i don't know but i, I guess i'm maybe and, and i'm quite 
possessive and you know i like things to be my own and even you know if i've got a favorite glass in the house julie's not allowed to use it you know it's my glass so <laughs> yeah you know when it came to, that's you only know, what that's only when you're in alistair but you know that that's just my I, I don't know it's just my makeup i don't know why i am that way but i, I guess i'd always wanted to, to do something you know of 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 our own or of my own and i guess that's you know, whenever the opportunity then presented itself in the form, you know, Fossil very nearly wasn't gravel bikes. You know, we did start down a different route at the, at the very start. And, and then I guess the opportunity of of starting with a gravel bike presented itself. So we quickly sort of swerved and, and made a change. And, and that became the the, mm-hmm. the direction of travel at that point. But I, yeah, I don't know why we, you know, my, my, my dad was was business minded. You know, he, he, he ran his own business and Julie's folks were the same. You know, they were, they had entrepreneurial kind of spirit in them and the way in everything they did. So maybe it's just I guess inherent in our in our makeup and the way that we were we were brought up. I, I definitely didn't think that that's the way we would be or the way I would turn out. And I don't know if Julie did, um, but I guess that's the way it's kind of worked out. Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny as well the way you know you have two kids so you're going you're thinking all right i'm not going to have very much time to ride my mountain bike and stuff like that you know time's going to be difficult to come by but yeah isn't it funny how that's led you down to actually <laughs> seeing the benefits of a gravel type bike yeah yeah it's isn't funny. it weird the way things work it's finding solutions isn't it I guess, and you know, I think for me, I've ridden mountain bikes for a long time. You know, I'm still, I'm still only 34 years old. You know, I've ridden mountain bikes for over 20 years, and and I, you know, to me that feels like a long time. And I guess maybe I was a bit bored of that. You know, a new when a new style of riding comes along, I'm like, oh, I want to give that a go and try that. You know, I've always been that way. I've tried loads of different cycling, and maybe that's. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I I I got this idea of this new like category, I don't like to call it a category. It's just a different way of riding a bike. You know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity around you know the term gravel biking, which mm-hmm. I can understand. You know, cycle the cycle industry in general loves to put a you know an acronym on something, or it loves to define things which necessarily don't need to be defined. And um, but you know, for me, it was just a different way of riding your bike. Yeah, okay, it's like having a rigid bike from twenty years ago or a hardtail from twenty years ago, whatever. But it, you know, it is similar, but it's also very different. And it's to me, it's not about what you're cycling or where you're cycling. It's about the experience that you're getting out of it or what you're getting out of it. You know, that's what's important to me. So I don't really care how I achieve that. You know, as long as it's given me something that that I couldn't get some other way. I guess. Mm-hmm. Do you think? it was the challenge of being maybe outside your comfort zone a little designing a gravel bike over a full suspension mountain bike do you think that appealed to you a little as well um yeah i don't think it was so much the challenge i i kind of felt like not that it was going to be easy, but it was going to be simpler. You know, I I designed hardtails in the past, and they are much more simple. And you know, not that they're easier to design, but they 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 allow you more brain space to really delve into the design. So that's where when I when 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 I started working on the gravel bike, I thought, well, I'm going to apply all of the things that are in my head that I see wrong with every other gravel bike out there. You know, it was quite a new category, so there was there were a lot of brands trying to find their feet and work out what what was important and the bigger brands you could see were reluctant to make too much of a leap away and change things too much from their 
cyclocross or their road bikes because that was a big change for them. They have a lot of, I guess, reputation on the line, whereas we didn't have that. So I thought, well, why not? You know, it's a blank slate. We can be really not so much creative because I don't feel like the what's in our gravel bike is is overly creative. It's just stealing the best parts of technology from within biking in general you know and it's just using you know it's like it's like a recipe like a chef would have you know it's trying to say well i like these ingredients but nobody's made this cake before you know and i think that would work really well and you know people haven't made that cake before because they like a certain style of you know recipe or whatever you know that that's kind of what was in my head for it so it wasn't you know but there was challenge there because we'd never done it for ourselves you know if i was to do this as an employee of some other company it would have been far less risk so yes it's it's technically it would have been easier to design a a gravel bike but there was there was the the overhanging shadow of if i get this wrong uh you know i don't know question mark i don't know what you know (laughs) we're on the street yeah well there was you know and it was you know we you know, Redburn was doing, he was doing well. And, and, you know, we had a choice. We could have, like you said, you know, we were having a family, we were moving house, we were doing a lot, we had a lot on our plate. We could have just kind of maybe picked the easier path and said, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll just continue on and, and keep things the way they are and, and get through the next few years and then see where we're at. But I think if you, you know, we chose not to, we chose to reinvest the money that Redburn was making into something that may or may not turn into, you know, something that we can be really proud of and I think that's kind of where we wanted to go with it you know I didn't want to miss an opportunity and and you know I'm not one for choosing the hard path Julie knows that like if there's a I'm I'm inherently lazy if there's an easy way to do something I am all for it um but you know I guess it's different with this that you know we wanted to give it a punt if you don't if you don't try you don't know I suppose Mm -hmm. yeah very true and and Julie you obviously were of the same thought patterns there as well you're the muller at the end of the day so maybe the kid thing is a little bit more time consuming for you um but you are obviously helping alistair through this whole thing and you're a partnership there and a team um did you think any differently did you ever think it's going to be too much for us to be honest no um i never had any doubt because you know once i think once the decision was made or we, we knew we wanted to go forward with it there was no doubt really you know and would make it work we knew that it to be honest, we probably didn't quite know how tough it was going to be. No. Um, more so since um, the second that uh, Emily arrived, just with the mm-hmm. two kids, and and then with the lockdown, and certain obviously the no one could foresee what was ahead of us. So um, working from home has proven it has given its own difficulties um, with us in the house and tantrums from three year olds and such like, and Ali trying to have Skype calls with conference calls and all sorts and josh mm. you know having a meltdown outside the door and i'm like oh no you know trying to keep trying to keep everything mm-hmm. sort of underwater quietly in the background mm-hmm. but we wouldn't change it and it's been fantastic and you know as ali had said you know both families um i grew up and we chatted about business and we were the kids having our breakfast while mom and dad had the conversations and you know and uh, bank managers or whoever in having chats and it was all very exciting and I love being involved in, in the business end of it even from a young age so if we can um, you know include Josh and Emily in that and give them the experience and who knows maybe they'll be someday doing all the, the graft while we put their feet up and, you know watch watch it all happen maybe right <laughs> or yeah. maybe, maybe he'll just decide <laughs> to go on I actually went and bought him a, a golf club after one of the big golf tournaments was on at Tiger mm-hmm. Woods had played a, bl- a belter and I thought oh 
there's definitely money in golf as well. I went to the Cathlon <laughs> and bought him a, a, golf, a golf club, but he just chased the dog with it. So, yeah. All right. Oh, dear. He just loves his bike, basically, and yeah. it's fantastic. You know, he's he's just obsessed with it. Yeah. Oh, so he's definitely caught the bug. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, now, let's chat a little bit about the gravel scene. All right. Just in case people don't really know what it is and stuff, because it's confusing, right? You have gravel bikes, you have cyclocross bikes, you have hybrids, you have endurance. Like, the gravel scene's obviously growing. Do you think, or who do you think it's appealing to? I, I, I agree that it's, I don't, it is, it's, it's growing and it's, I think the way I look at it is it's really hard to define it and I don't think it needs to be defined. You know, to me, it is, it is very much this massive gap between mountain biking and road biking, you know, which for a long time has existed, you know, and mountain bikers don't like road bikers and road bikers don't like mountain bikers. And, you know, there's this whole, but it's because there's been such a, you know, a, a distance between them in terms of what they ride, how they ride, what they're interested in, what they get out of riding. And to me, gravel biking or whatever you want to call it uh, is just it's just the, the the perfect blend of everything you know and i'm not saying it's for everybody it's not you know there are there there are you know diehard mountain bikers out there that that's all they want to do they've got no interest in in riding a bike that's got weird shaped handlebars and riding it up and down a slightly gravelly path you know that that doesn't mm-hmm. appeal to those guys and i totally i totally get that i was in there you know i was in that place you know 10 years ago couldn't care less about that sort of stuff and the same with the road, you know, the road bike side that, you know, those guys just like watts and numbers and looking at their computer and, you know, that that kind of stuff. But those are the, my opinion, those are the the extremes of those categories, you know, and everybody else that's that's enjoying cycling and enjoying being outside in whatever uh, level of extremity that might be, you know, to me, there is potentially well you know gravel biking is an alternative for them or and it could be a really good fit and we you know we've seen that with the bikes that we've sold and the people we've talked to you know that they're coming from such a variety of backgrounds and actually when you present you know the product that we've developed they go oh do you know what this is actually it is exactly what i didn't know i wanted or needed but you know it is what i needed i suppose and you know, I don't think it's going to be everybody's only bike. You know, you'll still have the people that want to go out and ride, you know, road miles with a group, you know, and do 50 miles or 100 miles every every Saturday or Sunday. And, you know, you're still going to have the guys that want to go and race mountain bikes or, you know, spend all day riding around Tullymore, their local forest, whatever it might be. But um, to me, it's the, it's the versatility. It's knowing that you've got a bike in your garage that you can take out no matter how you're feeling you know you might feel some days like oh, i just want to you know you, you might have had days gareth i know i have when you've got on the mountain bike and you've gone right i'm going to go and ride such and such a, a trail center or i'm going to go ride the forest and you just aren't as switched on that day for whatever mm. reason you know and and i think with the gravel bike you don't you don't have to be you can just get on and forget about everything and you know you'll get as much out of it as you put in but also you can just sit there and and look around you and cover miles and to me it's just it's the versatility of it that makes a lot of sense plus you can you know the fact that you can get on ride from your house to wherever you want to get to and then still enjoy you know the off-road stuff I, i don't know that's what appeals to me about it but it is a confusing category and it's definitely you know things that are, it's definitely not cyclocross that's a very specific mm-hmm. discipline. i i i think you know and that 
you know, not to knock it, I've never raced. Julie actually raced a cyclocross, didn't you? I, I've never done it, but it just looks like torture to me. But, you know, if there are people that want to do it, and by all means, go and do it. And uh, actually, we, we, lent a, we lent a bike to a guy called Peter Davidson, local guy, really talented rider. And he went and raced a, a cyclocross race on it. And then the next weekend went and did a big long-distance gravel event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, I think he was kind of... He, certainly his feedback was that he was more impressed than he thought he would be with it mm-hmm. even even in the race but you know there are specific tools for those I th- you know those disciplines um and i guess that's the bottom line you know if you're going out to do a very specific sport be it cyclocross or you know cross-country racing you know whatever it might be there are tools that are really good at those things for everything else <laughs> there's gravel you know there's a gravel bike because they they're so good at doing a whole pile of everything you know they're by no means are they brilliant at riding down downhill trails you know we know that but You've actually tried. yeah we, we've, <laughs> i've tried <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i but they're just they're just so good at, at the the bigger picture of everything in between that it's just a it's a nice you know it's the swiss army knife of of the cycling the off-road cycling world i think i think a big thing mm. also is for people that maybe aren't as technically talented you know off-road the geometry of the bike lends itself so well i mean i like I don't know whether since having kids it just turns you into a complete, I don't know, my confidence levels now, even on the mountain bike, you know, um, I wouldn't ride stuff that I would have a few years ago. But when I get on the gravel bike, you know, to go out for a spin, comparing it to the cyclocross bikes that I've had over the years, like it, without a doubt, is night and day. But I do think that people are now becoming more clear that cyclocross mm-hmm. and gravel are two very different disciplines, mm-hmm. you know. It's not a glorified road bike with a wee bit extra clearance and a mm. an obelly tire. There's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more going on there that does give you that yeah. bit of support. Yeah, you see, I think that's the issue with it. You know, when you look at it, to the majority of people, it looks like a road bike with fat tires. Yeah. Or fatter tires, but they don't realise the geometry is different and, and things like that. Yeah. Are, is the materials any different, Alistair? Is it a softer material? Is it has it got more flex or anything like that because it's designed for a wee bit off-road as well um it's the same materials essentially as most bikes that are made you know the we have a full carbon fork so that's you know the fork Mm -hmm. and the are all one piece it's all carbon fiber so you get the weight saving that you would expect from a you know a drop bar bike there you know that we we chose to make the frame out of aluminium for a number of reasons um and the frame you know it's very similar to uh, an aluminium mountain bike frame as it is to a, an aluminium road bike frame what we did was i suppose we wanted strength and reliability you know that's something i've always put into any bike that i've worked on you know i'd rather a bit like myself you know i don't mind being a bit heavier because i'm reliable you know and i'll <laughs> you know, if i fall over if i fall over i'm not i'm less likely to break you know but we you know we wanted our bike to be tested beyond the normal you know and again this is where i touched on it earlier on a lot of the bigger brands were making bikes and calling them gravel bikes and they were they were too nervous to go too far from what they're used to so there were a lot of lightweight bikes that had a wee bit more clearance and had the geometry similar but not quite the same as the road bikes you know i wanted something that was going to be as reliable as a mountain bike because you're going to put it through the same sort of abuse or similar abuse you know and and, and especially those people that want to do i guess the adventure packing side of gravel you know they're going to load the bike up potentially with with you know sleeping bags and cookers and dangle mugs and all this other 
crap. Um, and we're just jealous because we can't. Do yeah, that. I know. I'm really bitter about that. Um, I'm gonna bike pack into We've my back so garden. We've got so many great ideas <laughs> in the you know, process of this project. Talking yeah. about backpack, yeah. This, so make sure you've got you know you know the attachments for the the panniers and all this stuff and the other. Because whenever we go, and then we suddenly realised it's not gonna. We're not going anywhere. No. We'd have to. Yeah. You have to do it with a bike trailer and take the kids with us. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> but I think, you know, we, we, we kind of, you know, again, like in the factory I worked with them, I wanted to make sure that we tested the bike beyond the normal certification that you had to do legally. You know, a lot of the cyclocross or gravel style bikes are all certified to a road standard and stuff. And we, we wanted to go beyond that and make sure that the bike was, you know, strong and you know, had a bit of longevity in its life cycle, I suppose. Uh, and, and the same in terms of the components that we put on there and, and you know, some of the specifications even within the frame. And it's easy to look at the frame and go, well, it's just the same as a hardtail or a road frame. You know, how much can you really do there? But, you know, it's the small, I think with, with our bike, it's the small details that make the big difference. It's the things that you don't necessarily see when you're looking at the picture. It's whenever you start, when a customer starts to ask questions and and say, well, you, can you do this or are you compatible with this or blah, blah, blah. you know, and, and we're, we're saying, yeah, look, we've worked it all out. Yeah, we have. We have got a slightly odd size seat tube, but this is the reason why. And we have got tire claims for this. And this is what, you know, I suppose that's, and a lot of that comes from just my, I guess, frustration and my questioning of the bikes that I had ridden before we got to this point, I suppose, and going, well, why does, you know, and, and it, there is a heavy mountain bike influence in the product, obviously, because it's, it's, our, it's our background. But, you know, I, my opinion is that mountain bike, technology has been leading the way for the last couple of years with that's where all of the development has been done and you can see it now in the you know the tour de france guys which is suppose are the pinnacle of the road cycling you know they're starting to adopt you know some one by technology or they're you know slightly wide wider tires and bigger volume tires and all that sort of stuff obviously not to the same extreme as mm-hmm. gravel bike but you can start to see that they're leaning on it and and maybe it's tradition i think over the past however many decades that road cycling's always been uh, i mean it's rich in culture and rich rich in traditions and they you know they they do things a certain way because it's 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 expected to do that whereas maybe mountain bike being a younger sport they haven't really got that same level of tradition so they're probably a bit more open to well if this isn't good let's make it better and if this could be you know fixed why not fix it you know and that's the side of that's the development side that we've brought into it, what we've done at fossil and we'll continue to try and do mm-hmm. yeah it's the it's interesting you know because i've been reading up in the gravel thing quite a lot and as you know i work in a bike store here in malta um so we're getting people coming in asking for gravel bikes you know and one of the big things a lot of people think it's just another it's just another sales technique by the companies you know it's just another way to get people to buy bikes but it does seem to be attracting new people to to ride bikes and new people into the industry um one of the big things they're talking about is that it's they think a lot of people are getting them because they can go off dangerous main roads yeah. You know, yeah, if, sure. if they use them for commuting or whatever, they don't have to go in dangerous main roads. They can take side roads and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Do you see that? Do you think that's a big, well, a big plus? Massively. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and that was that was quite a strong 
message that we had whenever we were starting to look at it because I suppose we both we both dabbled in road bikes a little bit mm-hmm. and, and more so whenever whenever I met Julie you know I, I kind of she encouraged me to to ride road bikes a bit more and I, I, we both kind of felt vulnerable you know and, and if we feel vulnerable in this country where there's not really a massive population and there's not massive amounts of traffic on the road albeit you know the people from here might tell you differently but yeah. you just feel really exposed and and if there was any way of getting away from that level of exposure and risk with traffic, the, you know, we were, we were all for it. And and that's where I guess, you know, I don't mind if I'm out on a gravel ride or, a, or a, a, just a ride on, on my bike. I don't mind if I have to go on the road for a little bit to get me, you know, to link maybe two, two forests together or what, you know, because you know, you're, you're limiting your exposure, but those guys, you know, those diehard road guys that go out every Sunday morning in a group and they know they're going to do a hundred miles around the roads and they know that they're going to ride on busy roads that, you know, to me, you know, if they want to do it, that's their prerogative. But for me, I'm like, you know, what? I, I, I'm not that interested in in risking, you know, putting my hands in the the faith of drivers who might have been out, you know, partying on a Saturday night or now driving home on a Sunday morning. You know that, and that, mm-hmm. I don't like the stereotype, but there yeah. is there is definitely that element of it's not that it's safer. I'm not saying it is safer, but you know, you're taking control of your. You'd rather risk with trees than than cars, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, yeah. You know, but again, I I I'd refer to that as versatility. You know, being able to, you know, you can still do your commute on these bikes, and you know, it's up to you whether you ride on the road or off the road. And hopefully, if you're fortunate enough that there is an off-road route to get from your your home to your work, then then happy days. Um, and and that's kind of why we, I guess, with Fossil, why we offer that configuration option you know that custom build option because we know that not everybody builds their bike the same way and someone might you know be buying this bike purely to commute back and forward and you know if that's the case they might want a semi-slick tire rather than Mm -hmm. something more aggressive you know so that was a big part of and that's why i guess we offered that customization side because we didn't want to just have a one-size-fits-all approach but i think Mm -hmm. too going back to the you know talking about the road safety element of it um you'll probably be able to relate to this Gareth because you work in a, in a bike uh, bike shop yourself but even you know the information hasn't been there for people you know people decide they want to buy a bike and people used to joke about you know oh it's the midlife crisis I can't afford a, a Porsche so I'll buy a carbon road bike because it's the next sort of best cool thing mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and we'll probably all be there maybe mm. Ali I don't know if you're planning on buying a Porsche anytime soon I can't, but afford, I can't afford a can't Porsche can't afford one now <laughs> 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 you went to your sort of the local bike shops and yeah. It's so road dominated um, and it's easy. People, you know, the guys are going out and they're cycled to work schemes and they're buying high end bikes and they're going out with their, their Shimano road shoes and their cleats and they don't even know how to fit them some, you know, at times and it's difficult. They're not getting the right advice. And I'm sure the wives on, sometimes the men are at home and it's the wives that are going out doing it and they're panicking, you know, because it is dangerous on the open road when you go out there. But like, first of all, you know, the experience of your bike handling um, dealing with drivers that potentially have a issue with cyclists at times but mm-hmm. that's a whole other show probably <laughs> but you know, um the the gravel bike it just takes away the whole the risk factor you know for someone to be told well actually what sort of area do you live do you live near is there forest near where you are or if you any sort of you know reservoirs or is there um you know bridleways or and then you start to see them the clogs start to tick and I used to get so into it. I used to absolutely love it if someone came in you and not really knowing what they wanted. And I would ask a wee bit about their history and what they fancied. 
And they would go out buzzing and they'd come back in a week later and they'd be like, you have just completely transformed my whole lifestyle because I've now found, I've found bridal paths, I've found, you know, there's a new trail here that I've been able to go to. It's just getting people into the right style of cycling, really. And I think gravel bike, of course, unfortunately didn't exist when I was selling bikes. But now Ali has designed this, you know, I just think I'm so excited about it. It's real. I think it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a life changer and some of the emails that we've had back over the last few weeks from customers um, in Germany especially mm-hmm, and over yeah. the, all over the UK you know we, we Ali forwards them on or we get them coming in and we're reading them and it's just like it's amazing you know to see the people organically are, and they're all starting to hashtag this fossil family and we didn't start that <laughs> you know and it's just so cool to see that people are I think they've realized that actually we really do care about the product that we're getting out there mm-hmm. and we're confident in it you know yeah yeah for sure and like do you think the gravel bike can replace any of the bikes you have in the garage can it replace a hardtail mountain bike um we're probably not a great audience to ask that question to because we're fortunate in the way that we've always had bikes you know around us and we can you know we can we can get a new bike from a supplier at a discount or whatever i always you know i always feel bad answering those questions because to me it's not you know we're we're selling our bikes to you know the the general public who might you know when they're making a decision to buy a bike they have to think a lot more about it because they're paying full price for mm-hmm. something you know so they really i actually think they're they're the way they inform themselves is really interesting to me because it's it, it matters more to them almost at times but um i don't know if i would say it replaces bikes it has for us it's replaced you know it's replaced my mountain bikes to a, to a certain extent but you know i still love nothing more than getting out on the mountain bike and as does julie mm-hmm. you know but i just don't do it as frequently so i think where i where i would choose to invest my money now would be more towards the bike that i use the most you know i suppose road cyclists would would compare this to you know their their winter bike and then their what don't know what they call their non-winter bike their their main bike but you know they'll have a really fancy main bike and then they'll have the winter bike that gets all the hand-me-down parts and does the job because you know they don't care about as much and to me you know my gravel bike and for me now i want to spend money on it and develop it and have it you know have it be as reliable and as well performing as possible to a certain point you know i don't feel the need to put really fancy stuff on my gravel bike because well actually the performance benefit is added in the actual geometry of the frame because it is you know they are a simpler bike they don't have suspension they don't have all these complex linkages so you don't need to spend as much to get a really quality bike i think as as you maybe would on a mountain bike if you think about it, though, for us, you know, it, it actually, well, there's no doubt that it's replaced road bikes because they were, yeah. you know, they've, they're long gone. Yeah. And as far as, when did we last ride a hardtail? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, there's, yeah. there's a hardtail in the garage and the only time I would stick. It's the school run bike. It's Josh. He mm-hmm. goes on the front of it. Yeah. You know, so the, the, the gravel bike is without doubt the go-to mm-hmm. and there's a selection of bikes out there. Um, and there's mm-hmm. no doubt even jumping on the privateer the other night, you know, and mm-hmm. um, hitting a few of the trails that you wouldn't well you probably would attempt it but i technically i like to keep both my wheels on the ground but <laughs> ride over steep stuff and rocky stuff and you know it was so much fun which i wouldn't do in the gravel bike but how often do i actually yeah. do that you know yeah i think you're right it does it, it eradicates the need certainly for us to get for having a road bike we don't need that and and a hardtail yeah i still get these notions where i think you know i saw some I was out riding 
on the mountain bike a couple of nights ago in the local forest and I saw someone on a hardtail and I thought, yeah, that looks that looks good. You know, I, 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 I fancy a bit of that again, but, you know, I don't... Mm-hmm. It's a. It would be a luxury, you know. It'd be a luxury to have, and I don't know wh- when I would when I would ride it. So I guess it does eradicate the need for for some people, but everybody's different. That's the whole point, I suppose. Everybody cycles in a different way and wants a different, you know, outcome from their cycle. So uh, you know, it might not exactly. be exactly. Certainly, the people that we've been selling bikes to, you know, some of them have been road cyclists, and they say, you know, I'm looking for something to go off road on, um, but I still, you know, I'll still keep my road bike to do my my weekly group ride with the the, the cycling club, you know, they'll keep the road bike for that, and then the gravel bike they'll use for everything else. And to me, that feels like a stepping stone for them into the world of mountain biking. You know, I'd like them to then progress at some point and think, do you know what, after a couple of years of riding the gravel bike, I'm getting closer and closer to the off road trails, and I'm getting more confident. Well, maybe maybe I'll try a hard tail next, you know, and that's that's certainly the direction that we think we'll take fossil as well, you know, to try and I guess develop a range of bikes with the same ethos of of adding, you know, confidence and challenge in the way things are done currently. So um but you know, we're not gonna design bikes for the sake of I guess selling them like like bigger brands may be guilty of at times. You know, I think if there's an opportunity comes up for a product that I think we can do better then then we'll maybe do it mm-hmm. i guess but. yeah cool uh let's chat about the bike a little bit then um the causeway gr1 mm-hmm. is that called after the causeway coast it is yeah and and I, we spend a lot of time did spend a lot of time up <laughs> you know we love the north coast of ireland and and you know it's very fond we're very fond of it and it, it has a a very special place in both of our hearts you know we got married there i'm sure you know up in, in bushmills and mm-hmm. Anytime we feel like we need, we, you know, we need to get away on a holiday or whatever it might be, like that's that's always our protocol. We, we, we'd like to go up there, and it's tougher now, obviously, with the kids and stuff. But we, you know, we've done quite a few bike rides up there, and, and generally, it's been a gravel bike ride along the along the coast. And you know, yeah, we just like that area, and and the you know the word causeway to me meant you know it sort of summed up the what the bike was capable of i thought you know and, and mm, very good yeah I don't know, it's hard to name you know naming children's hard but naming bikes is harder <laughs> i think I so. it definitely wasn't anything <laughs> to do with the bushmills um whiskey and the bike colors. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. colors of the bikes were definitely not anything to do with that i'm sure you've i'm noticed. worried they'll come after us about that yeah marketing people about those yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's why so that's why we picked the colors that we've got the three colors are our three favorite colors of the the bushmills um whiskey that they do mm. so, and there's anyone that's switched on will realize there's one color left uh, in the whiskey so mm-hmm. You'll have to watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> classic, classic. I just used to go and buy the really expensive bottle of whiskey, and so I figured. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, no better, no better way. Um, so the name Fossil. Um, yeah. I was reading on your website. I love it. I love the backstory at Skoma. The name. Can you tell us a bit about it? The name's tough. Um, it, it, yeah. It was really hard to to come up with a name that worked for the brand and you know we went through i mean i still have a list of paper we, we went through loads of different names and 
I guess one of the challenges that I hadn't faced before was trying to find a name that wasn't already taken in some other country by somebody else in a similar category. You know, we wanted to make sure we did it right and and protected it. But, you know, for us, the the mantra of the brand and, and maybe my, lantra, my mantra in life is that, you know, less, you know, I, I like things to be simple and straightforward. And if they're not, which you know, Julie's laughing because I'm not simple and straightforward, but, you know, on the outside, mm-hmm. I like things to come across that way. And, and to me, that's what the brand needed to be. It needed to take away all the complex, you know, complexity and complications that the bike industry puts out there. Like Julie touched on it earlier, when someone walks into a bike shop and said, right, I want a high end carbon road bike with Shimano 105 or whatever it might be, you know, the 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 sales guy's rubbing his hands because he's thinking, yep, happy days, got loads of those, I'll, I'll upsell you on all this stuff. And, you know, to me, I wanted to kind of reinvent the way we sold bikes and what we did. So, yeah, so simplicity and a lack of, you know, hassle and a lack of fuss and, you know, all of that was important to me. And I think there may have been a few glasses of wine involved in the process of that. But, you know, and we did have some help from a really good friend of mine as well when we were trying to work out the names. And we had a short list. I think we narrowed it down to two names. And then, you know, just one evening, Josh, who was probably a year, year and a half at the time or something, he was he was pretty early on in his, his uh, public speaking career. He just started muttering the word fussle around the house. <laughs> So we thought, we thought well, we'll, take, we'll take that as a sign. So uh, because he could pronounce it, we were like, oh, well, there we go. We'll go with that. Because there weren't a whole lot of other words he was pronouncing at that time. So um, uh, that's where Fussell came from, yeah. Classic, classic. Yeah. I, I love the wee spiel on the website about it as well. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Gets you thinking for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. funny. We have a, we have a good friend of ours called Dee, um, and she, she did the little sketch of the sheep. I think, again, there may have been wine involved in that discussion at the start, but we wanted her to kind of sketch us up something that we could we could use further down the line. So, there's a, yeah, she's a really good artist, actually. Um, so we've got that. We've got that on a T-shirt now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's very good. Uh, now, let's chat a little bit about the website and the build it your way option and stuff. That's very interesting because um, in our store, we sell Orbea. And yeah. they have they have my oh my Orbea thing where if you spend a certain amount of money you can get a paint job done and you can yeah. do this and do that and everything else you want which is pretty awesome. You went down a similar route which is really cool, man. Uh, yeah. What made you do, what made you do that? <laughs> Ignorance, not knowing what we were getting ourselves into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, like I said, it's to me the the, the whole you know bikes are complicated and every person that buys a bike or needs a bike they're all unique in their own way and i you know i'd spend a lot of time in in previous careers designing a range of bikes and and specifying every single component and every single color and saying this bike needs to be this color and needs to have this spec and because it'll be a certain price point or because i think it might win that bike test and you, at no point were we really considering the customer and what they wanted and what was important to them uh, you know so when we started fossil I, I wanted that you know that was really important to me that if somebody came to us to buy a bike that they didn't just get you know, whatever was was overstocked or whatever we had there and we wanted to shift, you know, I wanted them to get the opportunity to pick and choose, you know, the, the product that suited them. And, and I guess we wanted to learn from those customers too and interact with them and say, well, like Julie said, you know, that's something I learned very on, you know, very early on when after we met was that, you know, customers would walk into her shop and 
and she would talk to them, you know, about where they ride and what they, you know, what they enjoyed and didn't enjoy. And you start to build a profile of that customer. And then you can, you know, I, I like to think that we, we've been cycling long enough between the, the two of us that we can offer some advice that's not complete rubbish and, and, mm-hmm. and help people get into, you know, cycling in the right way rather than just being, you know, sold the wrong product that's going to, you know, cost them money and, and might not deliver the results that they you know maybe want or deserve um so the custom build thing was and again because gravel was such a broad category and and can be uh, can mean you know many things to many people i guess we wanted to offer some sort of flexibility to say well do you know what you, depending on your size or your style or what you want to do with it you've got some scope to change things and you know we, we can't do that with every single component on the bike but you know we can do it with with handlebar width and stem length and you know saddle preference and all that sort of stuff so we've picked the parts that we can do and you know whenever we talk to our suppliers about this you know some of them turned their nose up and said no that's not you're just making life hard for yourself and others mm-hmm. others got it you know a lot of others got it and and they were like yeah look we'll we'll try and support you and help you to to offer that but you know we didn't realize it would be as complicated as it is to do yeah. it um but yeah I, I was going to ask you that because it is a very difficult process as far as stocking and you know getting all these products everybody's going to want something different that kind of thing yeah um you know for for yourself starting your first brand yourself it's your own baby you're going to have to deal with all this with people getting in contact Mm. that was a big step man that was ballsy (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i guess everyone says it you know you don't know what you don't know and i guess i kind of figured it it, you know it was similar whenever i was working with owen to try and get forbidden up and running you know you kind of had a vague idea both of us had experience in different elements of the industry and and we you know we we thought we knew roughly what to expect but you know that that was just a a, a tiny pinch compared to what you know what really happens and and it's been kind of the same with with fossil where we've you know we've we felt like we have a bit of a you know a bit of an understanding and enough we know enough to to kind of get us up and running and get you know guess the, the first part of it the, the hardest part is the forecasting and i'm sure you know in, in your line of work with the shops and stuff in the surf industry as well you know forecasting is is really difficult at the best of times and i think it's all it's it's even more difficult when it's a new brand you know we had no mm. idea how many bikes to order how many frames to order you know how many of this saddle how many of that size wheels and you know like you say we we, we kind of made life difficult because we offered two different wheel sizes and we offered different tread patterns within those and we you know how do you how many people are going to want to have this wheel size or the other you know so we we tried to do a lot of research and we reached out to to loads of different people you know potential customers people that were already riding gravel bikes you know and and as many people as we could really get hold of and and tried to gather information that way but you know to give us a bit of a a steer on it but at some point you just have to you know point and shoot and hope for the best um and we've managed to kind of cobble through you know we've managed to cobble through the first um the first batch of orders reasonably well i think there's been a couple of customers that have had to wait a couple of days to get a part that we didn't necessarily have in stock that we didn't think we would need and but on the whole it's been quite good and you know every bike is built 
to order essentially now. So you know, mm-hmm. most of our customers seem kind of happy enough to wait for you know a, a couple of days or a week to get to get the bike built just the way they want it. And that's the biggest the biggest bonus that we get after a bike lands with a customer is you know virtually every single person has sent us an email to say really pleased, and a lot of them have sent them photographs of their new bike, which is fantastic to see. And mm-hmm. you know they've said really really pleased with what you've done. Thanks for being patient and building it the way the way I want. And and I guess to me, you know, I've never been fortunate enough to be able to go and buy a brand new car and spec it the way I want. But it's kind of the experience that I would think I would want from that process. You know, I guess mm-hmm. we're trying to, we're trying to to give that to our customers in the in the bike world. Um, but yeah, someday. So- like take us through the process, right? This is what because it'd been so much easier for you just to offer, let's say, two different complete bikes. Yeah. They would be made in the factory. They would be boxed in the factory. You wouldn't even have to open the box; it would go straight to the customer. But now the process is completely different because a ticket, you get the frame, and then how does the bike get built to the customer spec of what they want is that done here is that done at the factory (laughs) maybe we maybe we should maybe we should have spoken to gareth before we did this ali's currently currently sitting with his head in his hands no so currently exactly we we order frame and forks um from the factory and they're made in taiwan uh, and it's a factory i've used for a long long time and have a really good relationship and you know again that's another reason why we were able to do this you know i've I've been cashing in my relationship vouchers left right and center you know to pull in favors because most factories in asia won't let you you know order a small volume they want a big equipment up front and for us you know financially we couldn't we couldn't do it but we you know we were confident that we'd we'd get to a point that made it worthwhile for them and um so that support's been really good but yeah we order we order frames and forks from the factory they then we ship those across um to northern ireland and then we we build those basically to whatever spec so we we at the same time we order we order parts from shimano and from wtb and we kind of juggle that some of them are ordered from asia and some are ordered from the uk distributor again depending on what what we think the likelihood is of that component selling in volumes or selling as one-offs, you know, so, mm-hmm. well, and that's constantly being tweaked. Um, so yeah, when an order comes in, uh, we lift, you know, we lift the frame and fork, we essentially bundle all of the, the build kit that they've ordered into, into a box and then it gets built by hand. We, we, um, we hired uh, a young guy called Aaron, Aaron Lee, I'd been aware of him for a long time. He rides mountain bikes. He's not too, he's quite local to us. Um, so we, we, when did we hire him? Around March. the end of, yeah, around the end of March time or middle of March, I think. Um, and he'd, he'd been, he'd helped us out a few times um, during the development. So whenever we were doing a video shoot last September, you know, he gave up his weekend to come and help us. And, you know, just, he's just into it. He's just a nice guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of he's interested in the industry and getting into the line of work that we do at Redburn. So, you know, I guess he was trying to learn from what we were doing. Um, but a, a number of times he's helped us out and been really, really, um, I guess, forthcoming with his time. Um, so then, he, yeah, we, we we offered him a job at, at, at the end of March because I, I knew that I wasn't going to have the time to essentially run another business uh, by myself or, or even with Julie chipping in and doing the bits and pieces that she could in, in and amongst the childcare. So we brought Aaron on uh, and then obviously the pandemic thing hit. So that was a whole new set of challenges. Um, wow, yeah. You know, I guess... Yeah, timing of things, but you know it is what it is. Um, 
so he he's basically hand built every bike that's gone out in the last couple of weeks, isn't he? he mm-hmm. we, we, yeah, we we had we put it we had to put him on that furlough scheme for a couple of weeks um, that the government were running just because we had, you know we'd had a couple of clients pull back and things were looking a bit tight financially. Um, so there were a few scary moments, I guess, earlier in the year, just as we were launching and as we had launched. So, um, but luckily it all came good, and and the cycle industry I think has come out of things in in better shape potentially than than it went in um yeah which is good now how long that lasts i i don't know but um i guess we'll we'll wait and see but iron's been really really good at getting involved and 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 building the bikes and helping manage everything you know and he's just enthusiastic he's just a nice and all around nice guy and he's we've converted him he'll probably not thank me for saying this but he was you know he's a he's a mountain bike head through and through he loves going away to his trips to morzine every year and and you know just kind of getting involved with everybody and and i think did he ask he asked to borrow one of the gravel bikes we had a couple of samples that we were going to use as a demo fleet but obviously with the lockdown we couldn't we couldn't run demo events so he asked could he borrow one for for a ride one night just to see what all this gravel fuss was about and he hasn't given it back is he still he's out every morning (laughs) taking photographs of the yeah the sunrise at quarter past five just high on isn't he he's loving it full-time gravel guy yeah Yeah, the yeah. passion of young youth. Huh? That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been really, it's been really good to have him on board and, and you know, take I guess a lot of the weight off my, or the pressure off my, off my plate, so I can continue to do the the other Redburn projects um, mm-hmm. as well. So uh, it's been really, it's been good. Cool. Well, let me ask you this: Can you actually put a sticker on the bike now, saying it's built in Northern Ireland? Yeah. Well, we have, uh, we actually have it on the top tube, don't we? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we have. Yeah, design in Northern Ireland. We don't have a hand built in. We must get on that. That's a good idea. I think you Can should. All these, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if, if everybody else is the same when they start something from scratch, but we have all these ideas that pop into your head, usually at about half eight or nine o'clock at night, and then it's really hard to, to document them. But ideas and we're like, oh, we should have a little, you know, a, a letter that we sign or something, you know, a sticker like that. And all these things pop up and loads of things we want to do, but it's – it takes a lot longer to do them than it should, I think. You know, and that's the that's the tricky part. But for sure, we need a yeah, we need a sticker on there, and we have a we have a a, pic, a picture of Northern Ireland on the box. When you when when your brand new fossil bike arrives on the edge of the box, there's a made in Northern Ireland sticker on there, and we're quite proud of that mm-hmm. because I guess you know we're both quite proud of where we come from, and albeit the country has its own quirks and it's unique in its own way, but you know it's home for us. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we're quite proud to have you know established a. A bike brand from Northern Ireland. You know, there, there aren't many of them. Um, there are there are some, but they're you know that were established here and 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 started here. But there there aren't many of them, and, and we're proud to be one of those few that that have kind of started something from the roots. And we, you know, we employ people from this country, and we try and get that that heritage across. And I think that was part of. I really wanted that to come across in the branding and the photographs and the video. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch our launch video, but it's all filmed. You know locally to us and a bit on the north coast and we did a day mm-hmm. trip to Rathlin Island and that was quite cool to drive around Rathlin Island it was cool <laughs> yeah that was a heck of a trip yeah, it was good Nearly I was really it. heavily pregnant with Emily at the time and it was like weather warning scale force that's weather. right we were yeah. ferry across and we were worried about <laughs> yeah. my mum was ringing me saying don't you be getting on that ferry you'll go into labour and you'll be stuck out there because there's no I think you were nothing. yeah you were about a week away from no, from Emily's due date or two weeks this was September and well, we were yeah. getting on the ferry that only runs every couple of hours to Rathlin and back it was hairy enough actually yeah yeah the video looks rough the boat looks rough 
It, yeah, it wasn't too. It wasn't, it wasn't too really. I looked worse in the video. Shaky, shaky, <laughs> shaky cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's the one when you have the bike pack and stuff on it. And yeah, the, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah, Julie's good friend Andrea came and did a. She was stunt rider for the day, and um, she loved it. I think she just did. getting a day out, oh, and, uh, and it was brilliant. And we wanted to use you know people that were local and to us, and and the other guy Tommy, who's um, lovely, lovely guy. And he he came and gave up his day to you know fairly last minute to 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 do the Helen's Tower section for us. Happy Tommy. Happy Tommy. He's a great guy. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm looking at your website right now. Um, that is a nice bike, man. That is a cool looking bike. Your website's amazing. Who done the website? <laughs> we we I built it. Um, yeah. This took, is where he'll be modest. It took a long time, but it's but you know for me everything that we put into fossil was helping me i guess educate myself you know mm-hmm. better so that you know because i guess that's the way redburn you know redburn design works as a you know it offers services to people so if somebody wants to get advice on you know how not to build a website i'm your man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, we we just trial and error i guess and investing time in the evenings and i guess that's where like where julie's been important to kind of hold down the fort and keep the family seeing and, and operating while I've been spending every evening trying to build websites because you know I had I had loads of work on you know with Redburn and I was doing that kind of Monday to Friday during working hours and then the evening would come and I'd, I'd eat my dinner and then go back into the office to try and I say back into the office into the pokey bedroom in the, the old home and try and, try and build trying to learn how to build a website um, but we you know we've been very blessed to have really good friends to help us with graphics and with photographs and all sorts of stuff you know we've been really really lucky to have guys that you know have helped us out in many ways which which take a lot of the the stress out of it but um yeah we've we've built it ourselves and we're still amazing still very much learning how, how we do but like the was it hard to integrate that build at your way software like because that's mm. i'm sure that's not easy yeah and i i well i i went to see a company in belfast and um about it who'd been recommended and they kind of showed me something and i looked and maybe it's in my nature or whatever but i looked at what they were showing me and they said oh yeah i think we can do it we're doing it for this kind of they were doing it for an electronics company or whatever and oh, we've built one similar and i looked at it and i thought i mean that's that's a spreadsheet to me like that doesn't look very you know and i knew i, knew I wanted something on the website that felt a bit more you know like you were into it and there was pictures and stuff so we kind of had to surf and research for ages to try and find something that would work and the the whole time this was going on we were getting closer to you know to launch because we'd we'd had to order the frames way way in advance so we knew that at some point you know these frames are going to land on our doorstep and we're going to have to start selling them so the pressure was really on and and uh, but yeah i just kept researching and, and digging around and trial and error and find and eventually i found a kind of a plug-in that you could modify slightly um to make it work and um so that's kind of that's kind of what we've got today but i think you know we will continue to to tweak it i've already got loads of ideas of how i can improve it and make it better and and you know aaron and i are working on that at the minute to try and I guess simplify the process even further. I keep talking about simplifying things, but I want it to be basic, you know, super easy to mm-hmm. get exactly what it is you want. And I'd, you know, in long term, I'd like to offer a bit more customization if I could, you know. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see what uh, what comes of that. I suppose. Yeah, websites are a funny thing. They're never they never end. You know, you're always tweaking, changing things, and and to make something 
really easy for the consumer to get through and, and to find and navigate. It may look simple, but that's the hardest way to do it. Yeah, know? I guess so, yeah. I start, It's funny, when I was doing this, I, I was looking back thinking I wish I'd paid more attention to all those boring meetings when I was in Chain Reaction because they talked a lot about <laughs> website and commerce and all these all these terms I'd never heard of. And now I'm like, I'm going to have to pay somebody to learn about this in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell us the story behind one of the journalists that was reviewing the bike and after he reviewed it, he wanted to buy it off you. Yeah, so Trev... He uh, he's a journalist. He lives up in um, in Peebles in Scotland, where the the mountain biking there is just incredible. And it turns out the 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 general gravel biking there is is incredible. And I've met Trev a handful of times when I was at Nukeproof. You know, we brought him across to do media camps and stuff. And he's a super nice guy, really knowledgeable, really enthusiastic. And I got on really well with him. It turns out he he really likes his malt whiskey too, which helps. Um, <laughs> but he. He was kind of my, whenever we knew we were going to be launching the brand, I wanted to reach out and try and send, you know, line some some journalists up to send bikes out to to get reviews on. And, and Trev was kind of one of the top guys I wanted to send it to just because I, I kind of liked him, you know, and and I guess I didn't know. And, and so as well as doing Enduro Mag, they do Grand Fondo. It's part of the same family. Um, and, and Grand Fondo was one of the big media outlets that I guess influenced what we did with fossil right at the very start you know I, I i probably shouldn't say it but i you know i pinched a few screenshots of what they did whenever i was putting the proposal together to the factory to say look this is what i want to do will you make my frames for me you know i'm going to order x amount please don't laugh me out of the room you know and, and mm. you know i like the style that grand fondo used and their photographs and their whole website layout and just what just the way they approached i guess journalism so i was kind of mm. i was quite into that so so they were a heavy influence and I wanted to, I guess, wanted them to be the first to, you know, or one of the first to review the bike. Um, um, so, yeah, I got in touch with Trev and kind of what I wanted to do with every journalist was say, look, send me your dream spec and I'll, that's that's what the website does. So we'll build it for you. And most journalists just said, ah, just, you know, send me what you recommend, which is, you know, it's like when you walk into a restaurant, what do you recommend? You know, you're going to get whatever's you know they've got a lot of i guess but, so i kind of you know i suppose i took a punt at what i thought trev would like um having you know having a, a vague idea of, of his personality and his riding style you know, he's a really talented um mountain bike rider as well so i kind of thought well do you know what he'll he'll enjoy the things i enjoy about the gravel bike and the, and the spec and stuff so we built a spec up sent it off and um yeah he really positive feedback as soon as he got out for his first ride and and that was brilliant and and then he started making mutterings of not wanting to send it back and that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, eventually he just said, I'm not going to send this back. He said, just send me the bill and I'll, I want to keep it. So, which is really good, you know, for us to have, first of all, a really strong review. And then for him afterwards to say, do you know what? I, I really don't want Cause our plan was to get that bike then shipped to maybe more journalists in the mainland. Um, Cause obviously with this whole ha- happening at lockdown, you know, bike logistics was quite, it was quite difficult. You know, parcel mm-hmm. had, kind of stopped taking um, large boxes, you know, bike-sized boxes. They weren't shipping them anymore. So I thought, oh, great. Well, how are we going to manage this whole thing? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it all it all worked out. It all worked out well. And, and you know, Trev's now, he still posts up photos and tags us and all that sort of stuff, which is which is awesome. You know, so he's, he's clearly enjoying the bike. So um, hopefully we can get a few more of those. Yeah, but that must be great for the brand. You know, people that know him know what he does, he's got the pick of this stuff really and for him to want your bike that says a lot right 
Yeah, we were, I'm really, really pleased. And and I suppose, you know, I guess my hope as well is that he, he people like Trev helped to break down that stigma against gravel because I, you know, I was I was a full culprit of it, you know, before I knew what it was. And a lot of people are thinking, well, it's just oh, it's this category we don't understand, so we're gonna we're gonna talk badly about it. And you know, hopefully, the more people like Trev that get into you know sharing their thoughts and feelings on it and just how exciting it is to ride, you know, the 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 more I guess open minded people might become. Um, hopefully, so I mean, I'm not. We're not here to sounds backwards but you know we're not here to sell bikes i just want people to you know enjoy cycling if they can do it off-road even better um and, and i guess the more that message gets out there the better really yeah for sure so how can people get their hands on a fossil alistair's all through the website for now or yeah pretty much so like you say the website's there for custom bike builds um you can order frame kits there you can order a chassis kit which is a frame and fork and handlebar you know basically a cockpit setup because there's some adjustability in that and then obviously you can order a complete bike and we have partnered with two shops so mech monkey which is a local shop to us they've been really supportive throughout the whole development we work with kieran to to handle some of our warehousing stuff so you can you can order a frame set with him and have him build it um to a different spec than we can offer and and also there's a shop in shrewsbury over in the mainland um called the trailhead bicycle company and they they same applies over there so they they'll custom build you a a a bike with a spec that you can't buy on the website so we we made a conscious decision that we would partner with you know with shimano and wtb and and certain brands because those are the guys that you know i guess wanted to support us um and so that's you know when you come onto our website that's you can only build a bike with that that specification right now um mm-hmm. we didn't want to limit people that wanted you know i had an email from a customer today asking for a sram drivetrain and you know although it might be something we look at in the future you know if you want that you, you know we, we're going to try and roll out to more dealers in the future potentially um and that's where i go i want those dealers to I guess, build the bike the way that they see fit based on what their customer wants. Um, but we're trying to grow things really slowly and, and try and control it, I guess, to a certain degree. Um, but the, yeah, we will we will be available in different dealers um, increasingly so in the future. Um, and Germany is a big market for us at the minute, which we didn't ex- expect as well. And I was talking to a, a dealer in Germany today and they want to, you know, they want to stock bikes and frames and all the, all the other stuff. And I think that just shows you as well how much the category of gravel is, I guess, starting to take hold. Because the dealers, you know, the dealers know that most of the ones that are switched on, they kind of see stuff coming down the pipeline and they think, right, OK, this is going to be, you know, big and this is going to be popular. And we want to get in at, at an early stage with the right brands and try and build something. So that's mm-hmm. it's is that a distribution company out there or is it a, a bike store? It's just a bike store, yeah, yeah. Right, and they, okay. and it, they focus on they they can they do bespoke custom builds um, at the minute on on a variety of frames, so it works quite well. It works quite well for them because um, I guess building you know building a bike from scratch is is not as straightforward as it used to be. There's a whole pile of different standards and things. So you know we've gone through the effort of figuring it all out so that our bikes you know glide together and all the parts are perfect. You know, for a bike shop to take it on, there's a certain amount of training, I guess, on on our product as there would be with any other product. So it's mm-hmm. it's not as easy to just start shipping frames to dealers and forgetting about it. You know, we want there to be a relationship, and we want to gather the feedback as well. So when a customer orders a bike with a dealer, I want to know what spec it was. I want to know what tire choice, what wheel size. You know, because all of that helps us improve our our product. Um, 
in in the long term. Exactly, exactly. You don't want to be shipping out frames and then the bike stores putting product on the bike that doesn't suit the bike. Yeah, it's yeah. not fair for you. So yeah, that that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's you know you're going to have to learn distribution and all now, dude. I know we're starting to <laughs> yeah we're starting to try and figure it all out. But it, it it interests me too. You know, it's you've only got one life. You may as well try and expose yourself as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Now, um, can I can I uh, can I give you a suggestion for the next name for the next kind of model? Oh yeah, here we can go. You, this can you? Maybe <laughs> we should do this off air in case it's a real belter. No, no. no. <laughs> can ahead. you call it? Can you call it the Port Magic? The Port, the port Magic. <laughs> Is that one word or two? Is there a hyphen in between? Have you not heard of that? Everybody around Port Rush that lives in Port Rush, that's my town, obviously. Yeah. They call it Port Magic. We're not up in Port Rush enough. <laughs> I think Alan Simpson started it all, to be honest. Right. But there you are. Put it in the notebook, Gareth, for sure. Uh-huh. All right, there you are. So, what's the plans? What's your next kind of plans for moving ahead? you got any new models coming out or are you um, we have a list we have a list of things we want to do um for sure and it's i guess we're we're pursuing a couple of ideas far enough to the point where you know to get us to the fork on the road and then we'll have to make a commitment to to one of them um but at the minute we're just we're just really trying to i you know figure out exactly what is going well about what we're doing right now and what we need to improve and i suppose that i want the customer experience to be the thing that we we focus on rather than developing a new product for the sake of it it's it's tricky because the product takes so long to develop and and get it into into cycle but you know at the same time it's we've got a we've got a lot of scope to improve the way we're doing things so i think that's my big my big priority at the minute but um yeah we, we'd love to you know introduce new models we've got a lot of people asking mm-hmm. for a you know a steel gravel frame or really know, wow so, interesting yeah, yeah and i'd love to do that um and you know even i've already got ideas of what i would do to to make the current causeway even better but you know, I, I'm really happy with the way it is now. We put a lot of thought into it, and and it's funny. Like we we made some changes after the first samples because of I I, I mean we were probably sounds kind of big headed to say it, but I think we were ahead of the curve from other supplier from component suppliers as to what needed to be done to make the frames uh, future proofed and. The components that we needed to build the bike with the way we needed weren't necessarily available um, at the time. And I've seen some suppliers come out in the last couple of weeks with the products that we needed, you know, 12 months ago or 18 months ago. Um, and they've obviously, so not that they've listened to us, but they've obviously had enough other people asking for the same the same scope. So the, the, the scene, the, the gravel bike market is, is developing really quickly the same way mountain biking did, um, you know, or has done for the last kind of five to 10 years. So mm-hmm. it's exciting to keep up, you know, to keep an eye on that stuff and see. But, I, you know, I think we've got a, you know, our first bike is pretty solid as far as future proofing goes, which I'm really pleased. I'm, I'm glad we made some calls. We made some tough, hard decisions probably six to t- six to 12 months ago that we didn't really want to make, but it's paid off for us in, in, in terms of the product that we're selling now is, is much, much better for anyone that's buying it than, than it maybe could have been. So, And for other reasons also, the timing of it originally was going to be the bikes were going to arrive in October when Emily was due. Yeah. And we were like, oh. Probably no bad thing. So the changes stole. that were made actually, you know, it all worked out for the best because it gave us yeah. breathing space and then yeah. we were all ready to... Yeah. 
hit the ground running, basically. Everything, ever, yeah, know, everything I, works out for a reason. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I don't know what the future holds for. for mm. You know, we'll, we're on, we're on for the ride, so we'll see. Yeah. And regarding the Causeway model, is there anything you can tell us about it, not to give away your secrets, but is there anything you can tell us about it that is different from other gravel bikes out there? Like, you know, why is it better in certain areas than other ones out there? Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily better than what's out there. It's all personal preference, but um, I guess we've tried to look at what's important to, to, to us when we ride our our bikes and and i guess focus on those smaller details so it's not you know there's no one thing about our bike that's massively forward thinking you know we're not that sort of brand we're not pushing the envelope of technology and and you know having people ride around on prototypes with really crazy you know uh, features i guess for us it's about focusing on the really small fine details getting those right and and i guess what's important to the customer and and what we are or, or what's important to our perception of the customer and i think you know we've done reasonably well so far but you know we've got you know we've got our own take on geometry and sizing which again isn't unique to us there are a couple of other brands that are doing similar things and again it's not unique to to the mountain bike industry by any means either so i, th- I think we take influence that's probably the our design ethos is is we take influence from all of the leading tech that's available and try and massage that into something that works for the discipline that we're trying to you know i guess solve mm-hmm. for yeah the beautiful thing about what you're doing there alistair and with the the build your ride thing and all you can get so much customer feedback from that yeah and and yes it's maybe more difficult to do and it takes more time and you know, obviously the logistics of the thing's more difficult and there's a few more steps and somebody getting a bike, but at least they're getting a bike that they really, really want. And in a yeah. way they feel they have built it in a way because they have chosen what goes on the bike. But you yourself must get some awesome feedback from the customer and you'll get to know what people want or what the majority of people want more. So are you looking at it that way as well for the future? You know, you think in that way for down the line? definitely uh we get you know we first of all when someone buys a bike we get really good feedback from them even throughout the the order process you know because they don't they don't place their order and the next day the bike gets dispatched you know there's generally a bit of back and forward communication either with Mm -hmm. myself with julie or with aaron and that customer and and because it's such a small team i guess they feel like they really are you know one-on-one with us and and that respect and and sometimes i'll i'll make a suggestion on you know a spec change or something to suit whatever they've picked or i'll you know and i think they they kind of they they like that process you know and then when the bikes do arrive we get really good you know we're getting really positive feedback from those customers and saying i'm really glad i made that choice or the whole process was really you know seamless i enjoyed you know being able to build it and 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 the other side of it is that you know we get to see when someone goes on you know and i would actively encourage it i want someone to go onto our website and play around with it and you know pick different sizes and pick different bars and you know add it to their basket to see what the cost is because we you know we we get to you know you know, some feedback from that process as well to say, well, you know, somebody's put this wheel size in their basket, you know, four times and, you know, or, or, or everybody's picking this one tire tread, you know, that information's invaluable to us and that, so mm-hmm. we can use that to try and steer, you know, future orders and how we, we customize it. But for sure, we've got our, you know, we have our own ideas as well as to what we think we need, we can improve 
in in that whole customer experience um but you know we're not experts in it either so you know the feedback that we do get and if anyone's you know if anyone's been on the website and has tried to order a bike or build it or has questions you know we're getting more and more people sending that information through which is brilliant it really helps us tweak the whole process and and future proof things again a bit more so we will try and do more of that and and you know again there's no substitute for you know material events either like we want to go and run demo events and get face to face with customers it's just obviously the the, the world's not quite ready for that <laughs> unfortunately so you know that's a bump in the road but i suppose it's it's a good you know it's a blessing because it's making us think differently and and you know approach things more remotely and digitally which i guess you know, we have all the technology to do that so why not you know why not hmm. do it yeah, man, amazing. Uh, very, very good. Now, where can people find Fossil at? Use on socials and stuff like that. Yeah, so website is obviously ridefossil.com and all of the social media stuff is at ridefossil. Um, so it's you should find us on. I t- Apparently, we have a Twitter account. I found out today, Julie. <laughs> and uh, we've got Instagram and Facebook. Say so running that. Well, yeah, yeah. set up several weeks, months ago, and then suddenly <laughs> this last week, I thought, oh yeah, Twitter, we must, posts, start, but... we must start using Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so we're on, we're on those. Um, yeah, we're on the usual platforms, and it's all at Ride Fossil, um, and we will be hopefully running some sort of demo events across um, Northern and Southern Ireland, and hopefully in the mainland and in, in England, Wales, at some point in the near future when, when the country COVID permits it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. Listen, you've got a beautiful, beautiful product there. You have to be so, so pleased about how it's gone because I know it's been going well for you. Um, And you're getting plenty of social interaction and everything else there. It's a beautiful looking ride. So well done, man. Well done. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, so listen, folks, thanks so much for coming on and uh, telling us the story of it. It's, It's great to get you back on, Alistair, as always, because... I love it that you're from Northern Ireland. I, I I don't know. I just love that fact. That, you know, we're such a small place. We are, but we have, yeah. You know, yeah. we have such a good riding community and trails and everything else. And now we have bike designers, which is amazing. That's so we've got we to put Northern Ireland back on the map somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you maybe be able to do something with the Bushmills Whiskey Distillery and have a special, you know, have a special yeah. bike. Like, a, you know. A, Any- <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bushmills Inn Hotel where we got married, I think we put them over the edge because since oh, we got yeah. married, they no longer hold weddings. So I'm not sure they'll want us back. No, that's right. Oh, they will. They love us, really. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. I really do appreciate you spending the time there between everything that you've got going. So it's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been great to chat. Thanks again, Gary. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. wrap for episode 144 i hope you enjoyed that folks and i hope the gravel thing makes a little bit more sense to you now it certainly does to me and uh, the stuff that alistair and julie's doing there with fossil is absolutely amazing and guys thanks so much for coming on the show i did appreciate chatting to you and i hope everything goes well for the 2020 season with you i know it's a little bit of a hiccup and maybe not the best time to be launching a bike but the industry's getting so busy ah, so it should really help you out and i hope everything goes well there for you so thanks so much for coming on the show 
Now, guys, if you want to know more about Fossil, more about Alistair and Julia and what they're up to, you can visit the show notes at mtb-tribe.com. You'll get a little bit more background there on what we chat about. You'll get links to Fossil and to Alistair and stuff, easy links there to access some videos and stuff about the brand. So you can go and check that out. Now, if you want to support the show, the best way is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on the old Apple algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you would do that, that would be awesome. Now, if you're not on Apple, don't worry. We're on loads of other podcast platforms. So whatever one is your favorite, just look up MTB Tribe and you should find us on there. Now, we also have a website, mtb-tribe.com where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show from there. It's completely free. And you can also subscribe to the podcast there as well and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. Now, you can also get involved on social media. We are at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we're very active on Instagram. We have lots of followers there. And that's where you'll find out most of the information. Now, if you want to get in contact with me, you can simply email me at info at mtb-tribe.com or just get in contact via the PM messages on social media. I do read them all and I will get back to you. So thanks again, folks, for tuning in this week. I do appreciate your support for the podcast. And of course, I will join you next week for another show. But until then, get out on the bikes, hit your local trails if you can. And as always... Stay MTV stoked.